Hello once again and welcome back to Spotlight, the audio podcast running down the Star Trek adventures through the films and coming soon, TV. But we're here now for the films. Our last episode covered Star Trek Beyond, so we're all up to date as currently. And I'm joined as always by my co-host Paul Wilson. Hi. And Liam Dempsey. Hello. And you will have heard by now, our last episode was interview with the great Robert Salin, producer of Rafi Khan, which was a real kind of get for us, and we really enjoyed having him on. He uh, he was a fountain of knowledge. Yeah, I mean, he, he talks about more than just Trek at the end of the day. I mean, we do about half of the episode, kind of focuses on his time on Rafi Khan, and half the rest of his career, which is absolutely uh, staggering um, we did not go, know going into it that we were going to get some Lethal Weapon 5 news no we, like, we had to barely contain our excitement uh, yeah I mean uh, they, like, there's some, amazing... some more Riggs and Murtar action like was just oh, yeah we, we are not too old for this shit well right? this is the thing I take it Lethal Weapon 5 over Die Hard 6 any day of the fucking oh, 100 easy. especially when Die Hard 6 is this zero hour whatever it is like yeah. bookending oh, with McLean oh, like God. just it sounds like sick like um Okay, uh, yeah, so we are here today to rank the Star Trek movies. Well, before. we have ranked them by actually giving our scores, but we've not yet revealed Yeah, if you can work it out, go back and see our scores. You'll, you'll get our individual yeah, list, no, which are I coming. Didn't, I didn't know from day to, to day like, what my score was. I was like, what did I get that last time? So this is <laughs> going to be very interesting to see actually how it all averaged oh, out. I gave it this. Oh, who knew? Yeah, so basically what we've done is we've added together our three scores from uh, each of the films and worked out our average score and then compiled our list um, from that. We have haven't included the scores of our guests from each of the episodes because they don't count. Sorry, guys. <laughs> uh, but we are going to do the rundown from 13 to number one, from worst to best. Um, but, and- yeah, but also before this all kicks off, we have been involved recently with a very special crossover with our friend Adam Johnson and his podcast Pretending with Dice. So he's been doing roleplay adventures with uh, with guests and he's going through different different games and he, he came across the Star Trek Adventures which is yeah, just is coming like, out soon isn't these it? are proper games doesn't sell, it's not like an induction day like yeah, you basically yeah. have to like you know, play a customer and that kind of thing these are role playing in real fantastical circumstances very this exciting. is like your Dungeons and Dragons yeah, I think that's the, big, like, the yeah. biggest yeah best comparison you we were all super make. excited yeah. about to this. the uninitiated which we def- most definitely are we should remind our listeners that Adam Johnston was our first ever guest on the show he came on to talk about Star Trek The Voyage Home in our fourth episode uh, still available now on iTunes uh, <laughs> and yeah he's started his own podcast I mean he's actually uh, hosted a podcast before this called Sup Dude which has now come to an end but he started uh, this one pretending with dice it's going really well uh, so far uh, I don't think any of us have ever really played uh, RPG like proper role playing game before outside of computer games maybe or anything like that so it was a new experience for us um, so it was a lot of fun yeah, especially this one as well because it was such like a like it's a new game so it doesn't follow the classic D and D rules. So, not that we really knew them, but it's no. a different system. So the character creation episode, which is out now as well, um, you'll see us kind of go through and create our people and and kind of rack up the stats. They split kind of like the actual adventure itself into two parts, but the first one will be dropping on is today. Like um, the character creation episode. Uh, is already out, uh, but the first episode, the actual adventure, 
is out today so it's a double spotlight day uh, for our listeners so definitely go check it out I mean if you enjoy this show it's us talking about Star Trek and we, again and we uh, can say you know so. it gets pretty buck wild so so yeah. look out for that and and, I think it's, any comparison to Discovery we had not seen it at the point that we actually yeah. did our episodes you be, be, might be interested if you have seen Discovery how <laughs> how crazily weird it gets we kind of improved our own pilot and we yeah. will definitely talk more about those comparisons next episode Episode when we uh, review the first two episodes of Star Trek Discovery as we start our deep dive into the world of Star Trek television. Well, yeah, another quick thanks to Adam oh. as well. If you want to follow uh, Pretending with Dice, his show, you can get him on Twitter. It's Pretend with Dice. And Adam himself, Adam himself is AJ Heretic 666 Thank yeah. you, Adam. Yeah. Podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, uh, all the usual stuff. So, obviously, uh, with this, we're going to start at the bottom. At number 13 run our run all the way up to one um, as we go on to each one uh, we're going to say where it would land in our personal list because this is obviously one that's a combined list uh, for all of us we're also going to be joined today uh, by the revived Mr Halliwell um, I should explain for our listeners at home for witchcraft anyone, for anyone younger uh, you may not remember this but before the days of the IMDB I'm not during the well early days Right. Ju- I think he's like 20 years old yeah, or yeah, yeah. Right? but, yeah. but Halley- <laughs> Halliwell's film guide is far older um, <laughs> this is you know before the internet took over and everything like that but made this extinct the, yeah. the only place the source of all knowledge um, to get kind of all your films in one place was the Halliwell's film guide uh, I think or the time out film guide <laughs> but, the, the, uh... but the Halliwell's one was <laughs> undoubtedly the most extensive it was absolutely encyclopedic I mean if you see the actual size of the last book they released which I think was 2007 something like that I mean this is you know about 10 phone books in one I think it started in the 70s or something like that I remember I bought my first copy I think in like 96 or something uh, to try and make a list of every film I'd ever seen um, which at the time seemed like a staggering task and um yeah, it, it basically had uh, every film ever made in there. Little tiny capsule reviews. In my head, I think it was all one man, Mr. Halliwell. Uh, but I think at some point he died and maybe his son took over or something like that or someone else took over. And he was very, 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 very harsh uh, towards all films. Uh, and he would, <laughs> he, would, he would rate things from no stars to four stars so you can't get five stars um, or four stars for this <laughs> yeah, or for the most part basically if you, if you what I would find if you were made after 1940 you ain't getting the full four stars like uh, two stars you know, so what, like, if you've got audio then you're fucking fucked like <laughs> so colour forget about it so today we've uh, got Mr Halliwell out of retirement um, to or from beyond the ground out of the very final retirement <laughs> of to death. come and tell us what he thinks of the first ten Star Trek films Films, as the Halliwell's film guide was severely defunct by the time the J.J. <laughs> Abrams verse came about but I dread to think what he would have thought of those so occasionally we're going to cut back to Mr. Halliwell to let us know his thoughts um, but first we are going to start uh, at the bottom uh, this is Star Trek Nemesis which is clearly our nemesis as it's at the bottom <coughs> of the pile uh, with an average score 
of 4.6. Wow, 4.6. That's actually higher than I would imagine it <laughs> getting, like, to be honest. And we did trash it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, also, also, the listeners trashed it in terms of like the listening numbers for that one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's, the, most... it's, the, it's the least favourite. This and you haven't seen the Nemesis one. There is lots to, lots to enjoy in that episode. It has been interesting seeing who's listening <laughs> to what episodes in the case of, oh, people voting with, with their time and what they're going to listen to. And it's interesting seeing some of the shittier films. This is the thing. Is like, you know, there is a whole podcast based on shit films called How This Get Made. <laughs> you know, it, I find them more fun. Yeah. Like, so, you know, if there's something to take the piss out of, like, there's going to be more We had a blast. But, you know, this isn't an advert for our episode. This is a ranking episode. Um, <laughs> so, Nemesis, we're just going to quickly where sum did, it up. Where did you stick it, Paul? Do you remember um, your score? This is bottom for me. Bottom for you? Yeah. Was it bottom for you? It is bottom for me as well. It's uh, next to bottom for me, number 12. Fucking madness. Yeah. How that film can't be at the bottom of your list, I do not think. I, I gave it 5.5, so my second lowest score. Oh, you're the one bringing it up. I, 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 brought no, it up. I would probably wager this is because you're not as like connected to the next gen people yeah we definitely were. that I, I, I was like I was as proven by your uh, quiz in our six episodes uh, <laughs> yeah. but no, I think you know you you could have built a relationship with them over three three films but like clearly you didn't and uh, but you know but this is the thing we, I had seven years plus it also invested in them you know and I think that's why it kind of smarts that how because TNG yeah. was the series that you had the biggest connection to coming yeah. into this, right? Yeah, and it sure. should have been their swan song. It's four yeah. years after Insurrection. Wasn't it? And I think the fact that it's directed by somebody who really is not like uh, a fan at all. Stuart well, no, Ass Hatbed. Yeah, this is the thing. Yeah, it just is so sad that the, you, the, the, really the helm hasn't got any respect for the material or, or where it's coming from, or really any interest. It's, the director for Hyde does not work for this franchise in my opinion which is interesting when you flip back to okay. Khan director for hire I don't know perhaps <laughs> we could say Nicholas Meyer was a director for hire like almost you know yeah. he didn't come in for anything as well but there's somebody there who embraced the mythology wanted to make a good movie wanted regardless. to make a good movie not that uh, I'm saying they didn't want to make a good movie with Nemesis but didn't really try <laughs> no, I didn't really try but like I think we talked about Bob like in the last episode that you know he actually actually sought the opinions of people who actually had been through the show the actors themselves and asked their opinion uh, and he did say interview them in separate cells let's say he got them one on one and you know helped build the script and the great moments in there from the people who actually had the most investment in it so I don't think there's any of that for like Nemesis it doesn't seem like any of the characters really get it's like a labour of love compared to just a workman like mentality well Stuart Baird just wanted to make a generic action film didn't he and that's how it comes across mm. um, you know generic is is the way I would describe that movie it, it's, it's a real shame because it's you know the swan song of the TNG crew uh, after all that time and the swan song of the movies up until that point as obviously then you've got a seven year gap uh, between that and JJ oh, it, it was over. the franchise killer I mean Enterprise came along afterwards but I think the, uh, the you know the, the <coughs> rot had set in certainly mm. Nemesis didn't quite really well on that it. point do you want to hear what uh, Mr Halliwell thinks about this oh yes absolutely. oh he's oh, got Nemesis uh, yeah, he, he, oh we finally found out what killed Halliwell uh, uh, <laughs> yeah well Nemesis was the last Star Trek film he ever got to review and the last film he so, ever um, you know or at least the uh, last one that Halliwell's film guide uh, yeah. ever got to review like, uh, fun- well funny enough um, in the Halliwell's film guide they always include a couple of other reviews from the time uh, notable reviews of um, other broadsheets and stuff like that and Peter Bradshaw 
who I'm a big fan of, well, up until recently, um, <laughs> who's a critic for The Guardian, actually has a quote here, uh, where he says, this will right, test... Bought. This will <laughs> This will test fan loyalty to destruction. <laughs> and, uh, and he was right. But Mr. Halliwell has this to say about it. So, uh, Mr. Halliwell, can you take it away, please? No, no, no. The cast seem unable to summon up much interest in the script feeble enough to put this series into suspended animation for all time. And he was right. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, that is prophetic words, isn't it? Well, it didn't carry on, did it? It No. It restarted. It completely restarted. And it was in suspended animation for seven years. So he is... Can't keep a good cash cow down. (laughs) I wonder what the next film would look like if they got everybody back from TNG and did the TNG movie number five. Like well, what we, that would we, talk, we talked about it on the episode, and it was uh, for, yeah, exactly. I mean, we, yeah. I can recap now, or people can go now the episode. But I'll just quickly paraphrase. They was they were going to do the Avengers Star Trek, where they were going to yeah. have oh, a, of course, a crossover yeah. all the TV thing, shows. Yeah, being Deep Space Nine, Voyager, all of them together, all on one mission. I, I don't know if this was retrospectively they came up with this idea. Uh, Liam's, Liam's nodding like, almost like Rick Berman I like, think oh pro- my god I you just left was. me in charge for five more minutes I would have made you a million <laughs> I mean I, it's a great idea it kind of seems obvious uh, but at the same time I, I remember certainly not hearing oh, about man, it I don't, I, it would be three hours long and it would be like and, and then even then people wouldn't have got enough screen time yeah. to appease everybody I mean there's what would be like? Because it would be there, more characters than Bloody Wire. Is there a big cast in <laughs> DS9? Well, it's, yeah, it's, they're it's big 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 more than so like, like 21 different people. Right. Um, you know, all with egos and vying for their screen time. You know, it's hard enough kind of like getting Deanna Troy her two lines for the film. <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we've seen the way some of these films just sideline some of the actual crew in. when well, there's just one crew, That's so I can only imagine. Yeah. Okay, so... We know the film's going to be 70% Patrick Stewart, like 4% Frakes, like 3% Ben Spiner, and then like 0.1% like uh, Avery Brooks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Any last words on Nemesis before we move on? Um, I'm glad we got Tom Hardy back from it. Um, yeah, no. It would have been interesting as well if it had been a success and if his career had kicked off at that point. How, what, how different Tom Hardy's film that's, would that's be. That's very true, actually. Maybe we would have never it, got either. the Tom no, Hardy I, we love. I think he would have died. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, if this was a success, I mean, was yeah, like, I think he was young, he was impetuous. I think yeah. success would have ruined him and he would have died. He needed to hit rock bottom and. He needed that, yeah, and come back. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah, there you go. Um, that we... is actually what would have happened. Nemesis saved Hardy. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Should we, that's the one thing we can thank it for. Yeah. Should we move on to number 12? What's in 12? Number 12 is Star Trek Insurrection. So, what? I mean. Literally, that's the film that came out before Star Trek Nemesis. So, right next to it, it was a real rotten um, end. The... This got a combined score of five point seven. Okay, uh, so that's quite a leap up from yeah. uh, Nemesis, to be fair, straight away. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's two TNG films right at the bottom. Now. <laughs> so it really sounds like they were kind of well, it was a bit know, of a diminishing idea. returns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so what do we think do we think Insurrection deserves to be penultimate placing or no not for me I've got it at number 10 oh okay where have you got it Uh, Uh, 11 Paul Uh, okay so you match up with this I've got it at number 10 as well so actually you bring it down I don't match it up with the thing I've got it at number 11 not 12 
Oh yeah, so sorry. All, yeah, you're right. So we've, we've all, all got it higher. So than we've the all average. got it higher, but the average has brought it down. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I've got it ten. You've got it ten. You've got it eleven. So we all. Yeah, we didn't, we didn't have low. bosses ten to skew it. Uh, no, 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 no. The guess scores don't get included in there. I don't um, think you gave it ten. No, I don't think you gave it ten either. He didn't um, say it out loud, but we, we know. But yeah, I mean, I don't. I don't think this is the second to worst one for me. Uh, you know, I do. I think out of the three of us, I liked it the most. No, it's only the third worst uh, because I do. Yeah, well, because I, I still, I, I still find it quite, quite fun. It levels of yeah. shit. Yeah. I think I'd say like it's hard to hate this one. Like it's a fun movie. It's a very weird left turn after the intensity of First Contact. And as silly as it is, and as much as the comedy kind of bombs, and some of it works maybe unintentionally, it's just such a weird turn that it's it's hard to be like, oh, I hate you, Insurrection. Get I down the bottom. Really like, I hate it. I just feel exactly. disappointed by it that it just didn't try hard after the First Contact to you know. Yeah. And you know, it, and a lot of the humour is a bit odd. It's just so miss <laughs> swing and miss. But it like swings hard. <laughs> you got b- boobs it's being firmed so up, and like and just. <laughs> Dancing and uh, I mean that's the, the thing it, and singing hay opera bales. hay bales <laughs> for me that's it, funny some children kitty fiddlers it is it is funny I do think it is funny and it is clearly intentionally funny it's not like oh it's not meant to be and there's like, I think the bits that are meant to be funny in general are not all of them sometimes there are some bits that are a bit embarrassing. Um, but for the most part, I mean, yeah, things like Picard dancing to the Mambo is funny, mm. and it's clearly meant to be. You know, you're not meant to be taking that seriously, so it kind of succeeds for what they're doing, which is, you know, doing a lighter film. I imagine it feels kind of on par with some of the subpar TNG episodes. I imagine there's some duffers yeah, in there. Yeah, it feels so. like an extended yeah, yeah. duffer. We we talking about like duffers. In <laughs> I'm sure there's some. Not that I know, of course. Yeah, no, I think there's an. <laughs> yeah, there's a few. <laughs> Maybe similar to what's that one that Steve was talking about during our comedy episode? Is it The Naked Now? Yeah, which I think is the second episode. Oh, okay. Yeah, see yeah. them. Um, so and the clips that I saw of it for that episode seemed a similar time. Yeah, I mean, there are some embarrassing ones. There was actually even a clip show episode of Next Generation. Oh, yeah, I remember hearing about that. So weird. Yeah. A clip show episode of a drama is such a weird idea, yeah. especially a sci fi yeah. drama that seems even weird. Because yeah. you're taking everything out of context, aren't you? It's like, here's a big dramatic scene with all the plot removed. Remember, <laughs> but a comedy at least it sort of makes sense. You can find a way of crafting yeah, well, that you, in. Well, but... you need to do kind of either like you know, if you're going to revisit old scenes, you need to do something where you put the actor in the old scenes. Yeah, yeah, they and do you're... that in um, a Frasier episode. There's yeah. a Frasier episode where they actually. Do oh that. yeah, yeah, no, I think it's near the end, isn't it? Like yeah, near yeah. the end of the run, and it's like it don't, it do it quite well. But <laughs> but yeah, this this episode was like where Riker gets like stung by something, and like it's having like a, he's in a coma, and like no, 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 no. goes. We, you know, he remembers in his coma all the, the previous seasons, like action, and it's because there's a writer's strike, and it's like the 24th episode of a 24 episode season. It's like just 23 was enough. People weren't really upset. <laughs> so that because was the big season. Just finale. say, sorry, there's a writer's strike. We're just not going to give you an extra 24 episode instead of releasing that garbage. Yeah, yeah I mean, no, very, very just, true. Just pull a Friday Night Light season two, and you know, when season three comes along, just pretend it carried on. We don't need to see it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, do we want to know what Mr. Halliwell thought of Star Trek Instruction? <laughs> I think we do. Hit us. A simple tale of a sort that filled half an hour or less of television time is here tricked out with special effects and rather more action, but still an example of more resulting in less. 
I like Regency the more. Uh, <laughs> it's less resulting in less. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the thing, considering. I mean, I still can't believe when you watch Star Trek Insurrection that it's like that's like the highest budget by far film mm. at that point. And I know what that bought, like fucking Stuart, a new house in Malibu. Right? <laughs> I mean, there are some nice, the there, there are a few nice effects, but in general, it's it doesn't feel big or well, epic no, at it's all. Because like it's all CGI and it's like the, it's the new thing, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we've yeah. done lots of computers. It's so great. We, did, we decided not to use models, which look better. Um, and it's know. all super expensive still. Mm, yeah, it's so yeah, expensive. That's true, yeah, yeah, exactly. So like, uh, I mean, all, there is we're through running from these bastards and everything like that. Like, mm. uh, in my head, it's like half kind of in a village on a planet, and then half big CG space battle confrontation mm. stuff. So it really is kind of two halves in my memory. Yeah, uh, so should we move on? I remember having, at the age of 10, having uh, 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 putting my friend's dad right on Reboot. You know that yeah. first CGI animated like, TV? Reboot! Yeah, <laughs> and he goes, oh, look at that show. Like, it's, I don't know why he's American, he's not. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> he was just banging on about steam trains, no doubt. <laughs> no, he was, no, he was, he was my, my mate in primary school. So oh, right. So okay. I'm like in year five or something like this. Anyway, he goes... Um, yeah, like that new show reboot. Like, oh, it must be really expensive. All those really amazing graphics. And I said, yeah, it might cost quite a lot to kind of kick off a bit, but you can see they're using the same models again and again. They don't have to redo them again. They just like make them once, and then it's just reusing. Copy paste. Copy, How old copy, you copy this point? Ten. <laughs> and I say, yeah, there's, initial, it there's down. an initial investment which will pay off over like the longer the show goes on. Um, I remember a saw being. Were you blown away by reboot when you first saw yeah, it? Well, I loved it? No, no, I didn't like it. I thought it was, I, you know, it was polygon trash. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really liked it. If I'm back in my headspace from back then, I remember loving it. But I'm sure no, it. I much prefer it. Hey Arnold. Like, let's get, let's get <laughs> yeah. what I remember on reboot is watching it when it first came on. There was all kind of hoo ha about because it was this first CG kind of show. And then coming back and seeing an episode like years later, and it was like completely different. With like one of the the kid character was now older, and he was the lead, and everything like that. And I was like, deep. It's hard to reboot. Like it's got this massive series arc. It's got like some massive mythology. It became like fucking Fast and the Furious or something. (laughs) Well, that was that weird period where there was loads of these shows. So there was the Transformers show, which was all animals. Beast Wars Wars, and uh, the Donkey Kong Country TV series, which was a French produced show, and that was all. 3D all anime. with fucking terrible CG yeah. like uh, yeah <laughs> should we go to number 11 yes. number 11 at number 11 first original series film on the list Star Trek 3 The Search for Spock about time with a combined score of 6 out of 10 we know who pulled that one down, don't we uh, yeah so where would we each individually put this oh hey, Matt uh, rock bottom baby uh, I gave it 4.4 it's my only 4 score you've got a number 13 so this yep. is your worst it's my worst um, it's my number 9 um, and what about you uh, number 10 number, number 10. 10 so you are bringing this down see I'm, I'm wondering now like whether it was just a case of I didn't have any context at this point you know I didn't know how bad so it you just have get. a bad day did I have a bad day? I just didn't quite like how it just felt like an extended third act from the previous film, mm-hmm. and nothing in it really. Like quantum a, of Salace. Yeah, it was a quantum of Salace, and I just didn't connect with oh, Christopher Lloyd at all on any of that stuff. And I just any bit that was meant to be kind of hard hitting or dramatic just went over my head. 
And I think, no, no, I think no, that's the film's no, fault. No, it's not me. No, no, it didn't even get up to your chin. Swatted it away. I mean, what could have been if Bob had returned yeah. so just... I think this is the thing the what ifs it could have been the Lazenby be diamonds forever, forever what could have been um, you know it'd be the great what ifs of cinema history like, yeah you know, diamonds forever is a proper revenge movie after Magic Secret Service what could have been like it handled with proper direction Nicholas Meyer Star Trek 3 Bob Salem producing could have been amazing so what you're saying is Search Swatch should have been a revenge movie with Kurt going back in time oh. to take revenge on Khan for killing Spock. Oh no! <laughs> I still think you could have. It could. It should have been the Klingon movie, which is like we were waiting for the Klingon movie, and it was then. But it's only like it's. It's just, again, it's quite low key, isn't it? And it's well, yeah, they all are really, isn't it? Because the Klingons are like every fucking Star Trek film, pretty much, apart from the first JJ one, and they they yeah. mention them. Still. But this is the thing: they, they they're only in the beginning of motion picture. They're only in the beginning of Wrath of Khan. But they kind of you never really get into the fact that they're the actual antagonists, do you? Mm. This is the first time they're kind of front and center. Yes, and yeah. you get to see a bit of their culture. But again, it's like just one sort of renegade group. Yeah. It's not like a. It is, the stakes aren't huge, are they? Really? I mean, yeah, yeah. Undiscovered yeah. countries like the Klingon movie. That isn't is it, really? the Klingon movie. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But and I mean, then... for what for what was essentially the middle part in this trilogy of two, three, and four? Yeah, it's true. You yeah. could have come out with like a you know a Dark Knight or some some huge midpoint thing, which really set up for you know a proper closer and uh, just well, it from... became just a bringing Spock back from the dead. Yeah, film, it had one it? goal and it took a whole movie to do that and. Mm. That's what little else it, it, Well, we did say it feels like two thirds of a film. Yeah. And the fact that even of that two thirds of a film, it finishes two thirds of the way through that. <laughs> uh, where, you know, literally, you know, I think I mentioned it, Christopher Lloyd's dispatched at like about the hour and 20 mark. Like, and it's still like 25 minutes to go. Oh, yeah, which I couldn't believe when you told me that that's when it happens, kind of thing, because I saw this film as a kid and couldn't believe how early that actually occurs. Well, yeah, you've got all that pomp and circumstance of a Vulcan regeneration ritual. Well, it's the Star Trek version of exactly... Return of the King ending, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, I'm looking at the plot It makes summary. Return of the King <clears throat> very brief. By <laughs> <laughs> like looking at the plot summary of Search for Spock on Wikipedia, the second-to-last paragraph is the death of Kruge. Kruge? Kruge? Yeah. And then there's, like, a tiny little line for the rest of it, but that was so lengthy. Do we want to Padding. hear what Mr. Honeywell oh, thinks about such a spot? Destroy it. Destroy oh, it. He was a young man at this point. <laughs> Less <Yeah>. jaded. <laughs> Maybe. Well, you'd think so. <laughs> but I was but born jaded. Perhaps I've got the one voice. It's, so it's, gonna... it's short and sweet. Okay. <laughs> Shit sandwich. Very silly, empty, and unamusing follow up. That's it. <laughs> That's it. That's, That's all you need, man. Like, uh, yeah, uh, the New York Times all, also said a little more than a glorified television episode. Um, but yeah, that's it. So it's pop. I have heard enough of you. So moving on to number 10. So we're into the top 10 now out of 13 films. <laughs> so at number 10, we go right back to the beginning. There is no comparison apart from the nine films that are placed above it. <laughs> Star Trek The Motion Picture mm. with an average score of 6.2. That's good. So these bottom four are my bottom four in a mixed up order. I assume that's probably the same for everyone. Well, where yeah. would you put Motion Picture? So motion Picture's at 11 for me. For it's the at gap. 12 for me, uh, Paul. Five. Five? Yeah. Jeez, okay. Yeah. 
For most at five. Yes, you came out of a so, seven something, didn't you? So you are you're you're I bolstering think, this. Yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm always going to defend motion picture. Um, nemesis, you know, I wasn't enough of a man to bring it up with Bob. You know, when I was slaying it off, but I <laughs> know. <laughs> like, yeah, you joined straight in. <laughs> you were like he, he was like the bully, school bully. You find him going, yeah. <laughs> I was. I, I kicked the geek in the head. And <laughs> I was just going, sorry, sorry. I'm making up. To Oh man! Um, yeah, I, you know, these are valid points that he's made, but I'm just like enamoured with this film. You know, in well, a I don't think Bob's seen it, has he? I don't think he cares about Star Trek motion picture. And I well, no, he definitely. I mean, he might have had to watch over research because remember he took oh, his job true, extremely yeah. seriously. Yeah, it's very true. You know, yeah. he watched a lot of the episodes. He really got a sense with it. Interviewed everybody. I assume he watched that film. If he only had the one time. Right. Well, screening. he would have. He would have had to because he looked through it and, and, and strip mined it for all the special effects shots they could use for the new film. Oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. like <laughs> that's like, cost cutting ways at the end of the day. Exactly, like, uh, and pay dividends. Yeah, very, very true. I mean, look at the sacrifices he made and to sit through the motion picture without walking out. <laughs> or go asleep. Yeah, well, this you can laugh all you like, but I think it's a truly great film. Uh, there are, I mean, there are amazing bits and the score, yeah. as we always say, is incredible. I, I base a lot of my rewatches on, like, how good a score is. I could sit through some interminable stuff if the music's good enough. It's more like a special screening where it's like, Shown on a massive screen, and all it is is uh, just on its own isolated audio, isolated, isolated yeah. score. Yeah, yeah, they didn't do that with the DVD. Otherwise, you know, I might not have ever left my room. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair, it, that would be because it looks gorgeous as well for the most part. I would say it's yeah. orange, uh, apart, apart from the costumes. Apart um, the costumes are awful. Uh, but but, I, but then again, there's I have a little bit that I quite like about that, and, and interestingly, I found a bit the fact that the. Um, there was a Star Trek comic book series that like went after this film and for between 79 and like 81 or something like that they carried on the adventures of the crew wearing these uniforms and I think it went up to like Trek 2 they still kind of continued using them in the comic strip oh really and so they, they got a longer life than actually the film kind of you know that film that was a once and done but no it kind of carried on this comic strip and then it turned into the red uh, burgundy uniforms you know from then uh, onwards so I think that comic strip was quite long running but it's just nice to kind of think that they could get a bit more of an airtime than just in the one movie. Was that meant to be like a canon thing? Or? Yeah, I, I, well, I, I think whenever they, anything goes into sort of comic shit, yeah, it, it goes a little bit kind of... A bit loopy, head. yeah. The Star Wars ones of that time, like, published by Marvel, are, like, similar kind of, like, uh, crazy yeah. space. I would love... i love them to have been real, though, because I have, like, the, one of the annuals which has, like, them uh, on, a, like, a pirate ship planet. And it's, Amazing! It's so good. I mean, if the Han Solo movies anything like these Marvel <laughs> comics, I'd be all over it. Well, the thing is, is I really want to explore the Star Trek comics because there are fucking loads of them. They, mm. you know, tons and tons of Star Trek comics. There's a fella on Instagram who's got an account like called like Star Trek Comics or something like that, uh, where he'll like post up like covers of old Star Trek comics. I think these would be pretty hard to track down, so I think somebody'd need to do some scans and some Yeah, you know, yeah, some yeah. PDF that shit. Like so maybe I should <laughs> to the yeah, masses, I, ask, ask him for some recommendations or something. Yeah, because like I, I can't see like, you know, on in comic format with like, you know, you can draw whatever you want, they can be some quite high concept stuff. Like, mm. and it'd be interesting to see like those middle aged like the Star Trek motion picture age crew before they kind of all get like um, you know sent off to the retirement home pretty much <laughs> too because at the, that point they're literally just sitting in a simulator this is how they're spending their days is on earth in a simulator room pretending to do stuff 
that's not really what anybody's idea of like what you want to do you want to be running some shit by that point you know it, it feels like everybody but Admiral Kirk is like in a career dead end <laughs> uh, but you know so they, they, there's some comic book like issues there that kind of show some missions they did after the motion picture I mean the immediate thing after the motion picture does fascinate me because you've kind of got this crazy event and Earth almost got destroyed what the fuck happened next I'm going to go back to Mr Halliwell and ask him what I he think you thinks find me and him in complete agreement about Star Trek <laughs> the motion picture I should make a point that all of the films uh, so far that Mr. Hayward has talked about, uh, Nemesis, Insurrection, uh, Search Spock, he gave no stars to. <laughs> no stars at all. No, nothing to um, So this is motion picture. Let's see what he has to say about this. Mr. Hayward, take it away. Um, now, I should say, actually, uh, that he includes the plot within his review of this one. So... In the 23rd century, Admiral Kirk resumes command of the Enterprise to combat an alien force. And a surprisingly boring one. Vast sets of big screen solemnity hardly make this more enjoyable than some of the TV episodes which got more tricks and philosophical fun into one third of the length. No stars. <laughs> um, so, yeah, no, he was not impressed right from the beginning. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm kind of almost surprised he gave no stars to that one. Um, because you think it's got that very old prestige well, it's picture almost got of no dialogue in it, so it's almost like one of the silent films you'd have loved. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, but it feels old fashioned, doesn't it? In that, in a weird yeah, way. This is why I like it. You know, more so. into it, but no, it's it's no stars again. From it's going to break this. Okay, I don't know start. what could possibly impress him. What what can this series do? <sighs> uh, well, perhaps we'll find out. What does he give the like? Genuinely dog shit stuff that it would be zero stars or anyone stars. Zero fucking stars. Yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah. zero stars or there's stuff that's good. It's so stuff for the scrap heap. It's just like <laughs> number nine, probably I would say the most divisive film we've ever reviewed on the podcast. Star Trek Five: The Final Frontier. Um, I would say this is the one that set us apart the most um, in the sense of Matt and I. Uh, both big apologists for it Um, Paul still talks it down Uh, and you know I will say that it will be Paul bringing this score down this is a combined score of 6.7 now on my personal list it's my number 6 and what's it for you? Uh, it's 8 for me so I mean we're both still higher than the actual place what do you say 6 and what do you say? It's my personal number six. Six and... Eight for me. Eight, uh, twelve. Twelve, so, it, yeah, so it's very much you bring um, it down. So this yeah. is the one that divides us. Well, for me, Star Trek V, The Dream Child, is <laughs> just so badly made and so ineptly directed, and it's just... It feels like there's no money behind this whatsoever. It feels like comp- compromise after compromise... Only the wonderful scenes with the three principles like stand up for me uh, in terms of um, give me anything to kind of grab onto with this movie. Um, yeah, the ending is a joke. It's just it should, uh, this film almost is unreleasable. Wow. Well, I mean, obviously, uh, we especially me, I feel uh, disagree. I mean, this is a funny one because I'd if you'd asked me to put it in a ranking before I rewatched it for this show. I would say it would probably sat around number 11, something like that for me, so probably in the bottom three. Um, but 
this time round, I, I don't know why, but literally when I rewatched it, watching it in order, mm. I just fucking loved it. Revealed it. I just thought, like, yeah, I mean, it's it's an eight out of ten for me. Ooh. Like, I, um, yeah, just absolutely enjoyed the hell of it. I just think it's a laugh riot. I think the script is great in terms of dialogue between that central trio. Um, just so many great singers in it, which really make me uh, laugh. I just love their relationship. It's got a kind of like cosy feel between uh, them almost like a dance army and space feel at that point <laughs> um, and I genuinely mm. do like the kind of search for God stuff I think it raises some really interesting philosophical questions and then the twist at the end that of course it isn't God and you can't go to that uh, place is I think really um, well done and handled and oh I like yeah. that twist oh my god I love that twist I yeah I love that twist. I love the fact it's some alien that's been, but it's not explained really how he's, you know, getting them closer. Like that whole subplot about how he's sending, you know, getting Cyborg, sort of to come to him, isn't really explored enough. I think you know, the marvelance of this creature isn't really explored. It, but the fact that it's like a you know a switch and bait. He's not God. He's a guy who needs to be set free. It's really cool. Yeah, but whole, it's, it's, yeah, it's a shame. that whole stuff kind of comes almost out of nowhere towards the second half, and it is uh, like, like like Liam says, I really love the ideas in it, and I think for me coming in expecting it to be like terrible because I, I knew of its kind of reputation I think that might have lifted it up a bit for me but I love the kind of Mad Maxian like visuals of the start and, yeah. and everything going on with Cybot kind of on the ship and it only kind of like goes a bit downhill towards the end but I think it I think I it was think the Cybot's one a great villain yeah no I really like Cybot really good, but, yeah. Um, yeah I think it's the one that really endeared me to crew dynamics for once like previous film Voyage Home they kind of all have lots to do and it's all a lot separate whereas this one even if it's just the three main guys I think that really kind of got me on board early and kept me there yeah I think it endeared me hugely to Shatner as well like as, as an actor and as um, as the character of Kirk um, you know I mean walking away from this it's, it's funny before we start this again you know I think that I would have said I prefer Picard over uh, Kirk but now it's Kirk all the way like and when I say Kirk, I mean Shatner's Kirk, not Pine's. Mm-hmm. Um, it's no disrespect to Chris Pine. I think he's a brilliant actor. Um, he's he's almost two different characters. Yeah, I mean, I the thing is, is you know, it, it's chalk and cheese. But if you were talking about like who's the best actor, you would probably say Chris Pine from what we've seen. Uh, you know, it's a classically uh, better actor, but mm, uh, I would not agree with that. Oh, really? I would say Shatner's got like more. Oh, okay, interesting. Mm, I, see, I think I think Pine's got genuine chops, but playing that character, I think it's Shatner all the way. I, I just think there his performance is so idiosyncratic, and it makes that character so unique. Uh, I really do mean that in a, a complimentary way. I, I just think he's just an incredible character. I, I kind of think he's the only guy who can play that role. Mm. For, for you know, for what Kirk is actually yeah. meant. This is the real Kirk. I just, whereas, I just think yeah. the test for this is take Trek to Shatter's performance. Could you ever see Pine doing that? Oh no, and that's that's the whole thing in the sense of. But what I mean is, I suppose is, you might need to be middle aged to do it. I think this is when we've seen Shatner like at various points of his life you know, doing things and trying to relate it to that person at that point in time. You know, the middle-aged Kirk is, a, is quite different to the kind of Kirk of the series, yeah. isn't it? And But he kind of really explores that in the movie. What I mean is I see, Sh- when I think of Shatner, I think of Kirk, 
when I think of Chris Pine, I think of multiple different roles as yeah. like an actor. Like I think as a character actor, who kind of like who happens to be in a big budget franchise as well. No, I think of Judgment Nuremberg, but <laughs> of what? Uh, Shatner's, I think, first screen role. Um, what's, what's this, is, well. this, is this a recommendation? Uh, Judgment Nuremberg. Yeah, he's like the uh, some attaché to like the Nuremberg War Crimes. He's pretty the only person still living from that cast. It's amazing cast. Oh, okay. Uh, and a good good performance from Shatner. And, yeah, uh, very good. Yeah. And he's in uh, two Twilight Zone episodes. There's the famous one on the plane, of course, but there's mm, another one earlier on. I've seen that really one good in yeah. yeah, that's very true. And maybe at the end of being that watching and these it's again, kind of episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watching these again, my biggest one of my biggest takeaways has been how much I love Shatner's Kirk. Maybe I should go on a deep dive into Shatner's back catalogue. And uh, yeah, I mean, maybe See how long some real it, hidden treasures. <laughs> Binge watch Boston Legal. Yeah, well, there you go. Well, Bob was recommending yeah. Boston Legal, didn't he? Like yeah. uh, for his uh, comic timing, I think he's meant to be very yeah. funny in that. See, I think Shatner kind of, you know, he grows with Kirk, whereas Pine is growing with Kirk, this new one. So yeah, that's he, very he, true. he does have a yeah. deliberately different character. And yeah, whether it'll end up the we, same. I, think knows, like, I don't think, you know, if I have to speculate, we will not be seeing. Pine at the age of 50 probably not still playing no. this role that is unlikely yeah yeah certainly. so um, okay shall uh, we just have a look and uh, see what Miss Haywell has to say about Star Trek V The Final Frontier uh, do you think he'll agree with you Paul do you think he'll fall down on the side of me and Matt I think he might make me look mild by comparison <laughs> this is pretty clear cut I think so uh, Miss Haywell Mystic moments, tamely rendered, <laughs> that indicate it is long after the time when the series should have been laid to rest. So he wants to kill this <laughs> franchise. He literally wants to stab this franchise through the heart. That's his reaction. We're going to take Star a punt here, but is it a zero stars? It is a zero oh, okay. stars. Yeah. Um, we still have no stars on the I board. Hear, he's going quite hocus pocus there. I think is that uh, you know he's pretty there with the Ouija board, like, <laughs> like trying to kill off the franchise. Okay, so next up at number eight. First call for the JJ verse. It's Star Trek Into Darkness mm. with a combined score of seven point one. Was now, this number, number nine, you said, or number eight? This is number eight of yeah. the overall. Oh, I that is number eight. It's, you've Ooh. got number eight, so you're there. Uh, I'm number six. Number six. So this is me bringing this down. It's my number eleven. Ooh. It's in the bottom three for me. This is one where I. I've got Insurrection just above this and he's literally just above I could like flip them around yeah, how much is Alice's banging body uh, <laughs> yeah how much of it's oh, yeah, it it would be at 13 like Alice's body gets up to 11 no. oh, it had a positive impact <laughs> um, no no um, I like I said I, I mean I think I made this clear on the actual episode itself the I think it's I still think it's an enjoyable film but I just think there's so much fundamentally wrong with it in terms of plot um, that it just kind of cripples itself. I think it shouldn't be the movie it is, but seeing as this is the one we've got, I find lots to enjoy in it, mostly through set pieces and the cast who continue to shine. But yeah, they shouldn't have just done the fundamental plot of what they did, I think. They could have done something really kind of out of the gate original. But To try and ape Khan was yeah. such... A misfire. Yeah, I think I enjoy everything about this film apart from that section. Yeah, and I think watching it, as I think I alluded to, was that 
I wasn't making many notes. I was really enjoying what I was watching, and then it just goes off a cliff. Like mm. as soon as it starts with the the, the parallels, it's lost me. Yeah, I think and you're it, right. And it's and it, it there's no coming back from it. It's, it like all the way to the credits. I'm just soured, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's so unfortunate. And I think. I think they realise this and they are done nothing but apologise for it yeah. all the people involved mm. in terms of the creatives and um, it was a complete change of house wasn't it almost and you said especially with the you know the ship crashing into the city we were like why does it have to hit the city this is just disaster porn now and that entire kind of extended finale was just mm. all on the basis of magic blood and stuff and it's it is yeah. far more enjoyable before the Khan stuff starts coming into it. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Like, I when think, he's just a sinister guy in the shadows. Yeah, I think this is the thing before you... Yeah, this is why we said it, even John Harrison might be a boring name, but it was still made a more compelling villain yeah. because it, he has a danger to him, as as I think uh, our guest on the last show, Tom, Tom Sam, yeah. said, you know, you look at Cumberbatch and when you, they, they've built him up as like this guy, like, we really need to watch out for him. You buy it in the, in the way you don't reveal Elba in the next one. So you've got this excellent villain... But then you start bringing these comparisons in, it's just not going to work. Um, and to the point, Peter Weller's an excellent villain as well. And he's got, mm. like, Pines, Kirk, in the crosshairs. And, and Pine is, like, turning around, looking at his crew and thinking, I've really screwed up, I'm sorry, and we're all about to die. I, these are great moments of, like, death yeah. for the characters. And it's only Scotty's, like, forward-thinking ingenuity that gets him out of it. It's great. And at that point, I'm so on board with this film. Yeah, for me, it's the weakest of the J.J. trilogy. Um, and it, yeah, I, I just kind of think it's where the rot set in for this new iteration of Trek way too early. Because the fact is, we know beyond uh, kind of sunk at the box office a little bit. And I can't help but think uh, In Starkness is partially responsible for that. Um, because although that did well at the box office, I think a lot of people walked away from that disappointed after uh, the amazingness that was uh, the first one. Well, I think that In the Dance went all out to just get the average moviegoer like, really into it. Mm. It's just balls to the walls action. But, you know, this has had a cinema release which did quite well, 400 million, then it's like got the DVD, Blu-ray, and then streaming. People would have been going to Beyond if they'd enjoyed it. Mm. And clearly yeah, they didn't. Exactly. On mass, exactly. they didn't enjoy we, uh, it. So it's not just the Trekkies, I think just the average moviegoer did not connect with this movie. Yeah. And, and the, so for it's a fair. So are we worried about episode 9 with JJ coming back for a sequel? Is he oh, going well, to no, because uh, Force if he's Wakens still attached was, to this point, um, was amazing. So, so Star Trek 09. Oh yeah, well we should say, uh, yeah, you're exactly right, if JJ is still attached <laughs> um, by the time this episode comes out of how they're getting through. Oh, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. so happy. I mean, anything better than Colin Trevorrow. Like, <laughs> it was just... But I'm so happy this has happened. You know, JJ do an excellent job. Oh yeah, I mean, I love Force Awakens. Um, you know, loads. Uh, I think it's absolutely amazing. Um, and yeah, so I'm looking forward to him coming back, definitely. Yeah. Uh, and like you say, and I, and I also think you know he's not going to remake Return of the Jedi. So we all got that. So. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you don't want to see the Ewoks again? I mean, I could see a Ewok again. Like, what about if he remakes Caravan of Courage? <laughs> I don't think he's going to do that. <laughs> I just feel like, yeah, the new the people's hangouts about the New Hope remake, which I disagree with. Anyway, yeah, I fear it's yeah. bullshit. We'll Actually, have to come uh, back to this episode once Nine's out and see just how right or wrong we were. Yep, yeah, but Ewoks everywhere. As we always have to remind ourselves, we certainly 
add to last episode where we started running through like every Star Wars production ever made, <laughs> including droids and the Star Wars Only special. Uh, this is a Star Trek podcast, not a Star Wars podcast, so we will return to the list. Mr. Halliwell has nothing to say about Star Trek in <laughs> Darkness um, because his book, unfortunately, was not published by the time any of the JJ films And came he out. was in hell. Uh, yeah, he was in hell. He's, he's returned from damnation tonight yeah. uh, to but give us his views on some of these films, but they don't allow JJ films in hell, so... You know, he hasn't seen it. Are the in there? <laughs> regarding regarding, regarding Henry into the fiery pits um, <laughs> it, you know I've got to say I don't think he would have had anything good to say about it to start this so okay let's move on into the list with number 7 uh, we're back to the JJ verse again with Star Trek Beyond the I've got Beyond and 7 as well and there, oh, you got it at seven as well. You're doing well here. Uh, we'll have to work out well, who's the one who's got the most right. Definitive Get list. The point. <laughs> uh, this is a combined score of seven point three. Um, so close to the uh, Star Trek in Starkness, um, but just marginally beats it. It's at my number eight. Paul's number seven. Your number, <clears throat> my number five. Oh wow! Ooh, okay. yeah. So yeah, you bring it up. Lots, a bit to, on this. lots of stuff. Love. I like that. Yeah, I like that. Good. Um, yeah, I mean, like I say, I, I prefer it to In Darkness. I still think that it's a come down from the first film, uh, but there's more to more to enjoy and less to offend. Yeah, I think they really nailed the standalone adventure this time, recapturing some of the old spirit, and for everything that Into Darkness does wrong that I still kind of like it for, this mostly gets right and I still love it for. Yeah. And it still has its issues, but not... Yeah. The balances sway the other way, though. It is so weird to have like a, a new film so high up in the list for me because it, you know it feels like I need time for it to bed in. But there's something very enjoyable about this adventure, the standalone nature of it. In fact, I can feel like I'm there with the crew all the way through, and there's not a 25 minute ending that pisses me off, which is really exciting. Uh, it's really know. well structured, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is. Three parts, pretty much. It definitely three parts. I mean, there's, we did talk about like the fact. We, I feel like the second, the middle part, feel like need to be bigger. More. You know, there seemed to be quite a long mm. lead in, mm. and then a long kind of like finale, and sort of maybe short change and stuff on the planet. But you know, these are these are small niggles. I mean, our big issue was with the villain not being strong enough, and that could you know it's annoying when they got the villain quite right in the last one, and and in the first one before that even. You know, it's such a, a miscalculation and they misuse um, a good actor. If a random sinister bloke called John Harrison, just John Harrison, was the in Kroll's place in this as the same character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if Cucumber Patch was not Khan, then he'd be a really good villain. Yeah. Like, because uh, his performance is very good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Elba, it, the biggest crime of this film is that Elba is massively wasted and I think he could have been a great villain given the actual opportunity. Yeah, I also found out, we found out that Simon Pegg is too smart for us, and he's assuming that we get what he's saying in this screenplay. Uh, and uh, we, <laughs> we didn't did get not. it. We didn't get it. Or maybe this is the one part of the movie written by Doug Jung, the uh, <laughs> the secret co-writer. Of yeah, Star like, Trek like Beyond, yeah. Well, while Simon Pegg was writing like explanations, he's like taking it all out to leave one. Yeah, <laughs> it's interesting. I think Elba's this kind will be of my hey, contribution. Don't need to know that. <laughs> They'll figure it out. I think I think Elba's playing almost like a supporting part when he should be the main villain in a way that he has done in the past in big films. So of course he's in all the Thor movies going back to 2011. Yeah. So he's had big, well not big parts, but he's in big movies there. And like Tom said last time, Prometheus and Pacific. 
specific rhythm. It's like yeah. he's playing a role on that kind of level of importance when really it's like, dude, you're oh, the God, that main Prometheus, guy here. That Prometheus role was such a disappointment to see Just him. sitting on the ship. Mm. And he, I know. He's, he's just... wicked in Pacific Rim mind. Oh, yeah. But apart from I the flashback him, in that, he's kind of stood about a lot. But he does, have, he does get a big speech. Oh, yeah. Like, and that is... Wicked. Like, I, I, I'm sure I can wrong. quote every line of it like I can from the Independence Day speech. Is it that good speech? Is it that one? Do you think it's similar to the Independence Day speech? No, I'm just saying, like, I can't remember <laughs> anything about Pacific Rim. He says, oh, I love Pacific Rim. Tonight, we are cancelling the apocalypse! <laughs> he doesn't sound like that. <laughs> what else does he say? Uh, that is the line that I can remember because yeah, that's, 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 that's the trailer line baby <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah no, but it is a speech tra- leading up to tra- that yeah I know but like I could but can you remember anything from Independence Day beyond today is our Independence Day yeah oh yeah well I can't I can quote you the whole <laughs> and they played it in the fucking trailers for Resurgence and stuff yeah. you'd think I could but no <laughs> like uh, we won't no go quietly into the night oh yeah that's true we're gonna live yeah. on we're gonna survive Okay, very good. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It's good build. Uh, it is excellent. And Independence Day, the first film, mm. it's very good. I've not seen Resurgence. But yeah, don't bother. bother. Pretty much on your great review of it. It's got data in it. Well, that's not going to be em- embarrassing himself. Well, <laughs> yeah, I definitely. Please come on the show, Brent Spiner. We'd love to. Have you. <laughs> <laughs> you can tell us why you made such odd fucking acting choices in Resurgence. <laughs> Uh, we maybe cut that. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't never getting spotted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, Dana. Yeah. Just, pl- you're... just plug your fucking humour chip in, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Put the I, wine down. I have, you, I have YouTube the ending of it, and like, let's kick some alien ass. I like. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, oh so that's, okay. that's the choice you work. Yeah, so, so so there's two hours, thirty six minutes. I need to, I, I've actually saved there. Oh Christ! Okay, uh, we've got anything more to say about Star Trek Beyond apart from kick it, kick it? I think Beyond, yeah, like I think it it's got a bad rap. Doesn't deserve it. Yeah. Do you uh, do you think it's got a bad rap? Apart from I think the it definitely low box did office before it came out. And then yeah, before it came out. I think so. people who were going to like it liked it. It might have surprised some people. I think some people were going to hate it. Hate it? I don't know. I think it's going to go up in people's estimations <sighs> as it goes on because it is anybody, still fresh. I think we hated on it though. Like I can't. I don't think people hated definitely it. hated on it from the trailers, yeah, but I think when it yeah. came out, most people were okay with it. Yeah, I, I think, think it's it a real got... shame because it came out in the summer full of duds. So people should have been bloody ecstatic to get it. But I think people were maybe so worn down by so much shit around it, they're just like, oh, that's fine. I think at least that's in terms of China. <laughs> I think at least in terms of the fans. <laughs> I watched the joke the other day. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You were going <laughs> on a Steve Martin. I know that. That shit. That's all you need to know. <laughs> um, the jokes are really funny. Uh, like I say, you should definitely watch all of me. Yeah, uh, which is the follow-up to Man with Two Brains. It's oh, Man with Two Brains, was my which is which is it's Carl Reiner and Martin again, like the year after, uh, and it's it's really funny. All of me, <laughs> I would definitely recommend that. But Man with Two Brains is really funny. Yeah, uh, the <laughs> we should say we're drinking Chateau Le Boot. Which is like, <laughs> yeah, we, we are, as, as you can hear, we are tucking into all the leftover like wedding wine that didn't get drunk because nobody celebrated on my winning day. Apparently, <laughs> Ordo superior. Yeah, no, actually, people did get wasted on my wedding day. It's just um, we overbought, which is the best way to do it. The best way to do it because now the wedding got, continues. The wedding continues. We are reveling in that fact right now. <laughs> Except for me, because I'm very ill right now. 
Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Wish this was live so we could get people to voting buttons on Twitter for you having a drink. <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, shall we move on to the next place, which is number six, mm-hmm. Star Trek Generations, mm. with a joint score of, again, by the way, 7.3, but... I worked these all out in the average range. Both generations and beyond both get 7.3. However, if you look at the numbers beyond that, generations is... It's generations literally by a whisker. Is, yeah, by an absolute whisker. That's a counter bloody It is above... It is beyond. <clears throat> I mean, you can say they've got a kind of joint score, but it is slightly above it. Um, so where would you put this generations? generations? Just below it, 7. I gave it 7.5. Uh, it's at 7 for me as well. Um, what about at nine, okay, so me. It's doing well. I, I, I mean, I don't know, I just sketch these down. I mean, it could easily be seven, it could easily be nine for me. Very um, middling. Yeah, it's. It, it, it could have done I mean, I've got to say, I was so up for this watch, rewatch. When, this is one of the most anticipated episodes to revisit oh, really? this movie. And, um, <laughs> for what reason? I don't know, just because I'm really excited. Kind of, we, we're doing them in order. And right. to get that crossover, six whole original series, six films. whole original series, then to get that crossover and just, and I think it was mostly excitement to see Matt join the next gen universe. Yes, and I think and that's where it stumbled for me. I didn't quite have that seamless transition. Well, yeah, it was curiosity for me and terror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would say you never quite fell for the TNG verse the way you did the original series first, did you? No, I don't know if that's just because through... What it took was another two movies for you to get you there. Oh, what, with the TNG guys? Yeah, because yeah, the other guys had six. You only had four. But that's personally, true. what I and think a lot is, is, is <laughs> what I think it is, is that motion picture can be read as much more of a clean slate start. Um, because yeah. it's so like literally it's like 14 years or something after the uh, original series ended and so it has to be like a reset um, whereas Generations is coming literally like the year after or even like the same year as the TAG show ended oh, so you literally yeah. it was like just, a two week break yeah you were literally wow. it's the end of the pilot season 8 premiere basically um, and, it fe- and, it, and, it fe- and it feels like it as well it doesn't really make huge exceptions for a new audience I mean um, I think they got they got some of it right with the actual transition from the old the old passing of the baton I think yes. I think without that it would have been even more jarring for me but that's but, more a film thing rather yeah. than a but then actual... again it could have been that if they had no original crew and it was all new people they could have introduced them more fresher like Motion Picture did. Um, so I don't know whether the crossover muddles that or it's the TV connection, but if they'd written a film where it's like these are new people as if no one knows them, yeah. then they could have, for me at least. Well, we know. said at the time, and we first oh. seen with them on the bloody ship in the, the Navy is a huge misstep in terms of trying to introduce oh, yeah. this crew for the first time. To no, I think this is the film with no quarter given to the average viewer. Yeah. Because it's exceedingly high concept. It's fan wank as well, isn't it? Like, yeah, it is, it is I, fa- I, I, it's pure fan I don't know. I think fans like... Um, and I like this film, by the way. No, no, fans like, you know, really got up on the Kirk thing, didn't they? Oh, you know, that's true, yeah, the death of Kirk. the ending, yeah. even, because they weren't happy with the death of Kirk. <laughs> and mean, they're still not happy. They're still not happy with it. I mean, I think it's a good a good killing for Kirk in the end of the day. I'm not really bothered by that. What I'm bothered by is the the, the fact that the big central thing, Nexus, I don't buy into it. Oh, yeah, oh, the it's fucking too, Nexus, Jesus Christ. Too kind of 
wishy-washy for me. It, yeah. Yeah. And it feels like, I mean, I remember us saying at the it's time... The rules of the Nexus aren't clear enough. It, in my head, I totally assumed watching it, this is something you've established in the series. And this is a thing I'm like... Sure and, an it, and it wasn't. Like, you know, it wasn't. You're so kind of... What? You act like everyone knows what you're talking about already. The death of Kirk itself, I think his actual death scene is, is really nicely played. Um, although the final moment is odd. Oh my. But it, it was very nicely played by uh, Patrick Stewart, I've got to say. I think that's his finest moment in that film, his reaction to Kirk's death. It's, I thought he was getting caught in a rock. <laughs> yeah, that's the finest moment. The, uh, the death itself, I can see what fans can play about because it doesn't seem very. I suppose it doesn't seem big enough or epic enough. Well, for we, all, we a actually do feel like he Kirk's has a stature. better send off in the actual pre titles, almost like you know the, the prologue of this movie where he saves that's the ship. That's true. I actually feel that's more heroic than his uh, actual death later on yeah. in the Nexus, which we've established is a flim flam bullshit universe. Where in fact everybody's dead, um, you know. I don't buy the fact that they kind of come back from it. You know, you can just literally will yourself to go back in time. And oh, we're actually out of the nexus. No, it should be. It's almost like a projection of yourself in the nexus. It's almost like well, everything we see from Star Trek Seven onwards is nexus, like you know, yeah, uh, fantasy. It, so it is nonsense, I think. And they really haven't established the rules. But I'm just going to equate this to my favorite film of all time: Raiders of the Lost Ark gets by with the, the Ark and that in the screenplay for the Razor Sark there was actually a rule set down for the Ark you basically don't touch it you don't look at it when it's open and you, you yeah I think that's a bit I think that's the only rule <laughs> I think mean, that's the only rule but, here's our massive rule but, but it's the rule just not very, not very complicated so the old bloke who <laughs> says uh, like, you had you know, to do two things <laughs> yeah yeah the, the old man who tells them like about the staff you know the old man they go to see like uh, John Reese Davis' friend he actually says oh there's six good on height and then he only shows one side of the staff of Ra, which the Nazis have got, but then he shows the other side where you have to rip minus two, so this Nazi starts too long. In that scene, he establishes the rules of the arc. Later on in the film, you do not, in the finished cut, you don't hear what he says about the rules. Don't touch it and don't look at it when it's open. And then Indiana Jones uses this knowledge that he's been given to not look at it at the end, where he, where the Nazis open it, he says, Marion, don't look at it. No matter what happens, don't look at it. And they all, everybody else dies apart from them. I think it works without it because it's. I think it, but places like the emphasis on like you know that Indiana Jones is an expert and these Nazis are just fucking idiots. <laughs> so yeah, it, it kind gives, of works for that. That way gives him a bit of agency at the end there. If it's yeah. almost more of his ingenuity or instinct to look away, be like, I can sense this as a trap because I'm archaeologist adventurer. Yeah, Indiana Jones, yeah. So. I have slightly more respect for the object than you do. Yeah. Uh, but the fact is he opens and touches the, the Ark with gloves on and him and Salah in the well of the Souls only lift it with poles, never touching the Ark. So all these things are in the movie, but they cut out the explanation. Do we think that Indiana Jones would have understood the Nexus? Um, I don't <laughs> think you, anybody can understand the Nexus. I bet you the screenwriters don't understand the Nexus. <laughs> McDowell sure didn't. 
Uh, well, Ronald D. Moore, Brandon Bragger, and Rick Berman, feel free to come on the show and let us know if you do understand the Nexus. Um, but, but, but they explain the comedy track, they don't get it either. Oh, <laughs> do they? <laughs> yeah. This is uh, we don't know what we're writing about. I, uh. Yeah. Uh, I'm just wondering what Mr. Honeywell thinks this, <laughs> being that I mean he's been away for a while because JJ Verse he has not been able to see those movies, uh, but he was able to see Star Trek Generations in 1994. Um, now this is the first one on the list that Mr. Honeywell gives any stars for. <gasps> uh, Mr. Honeywell, how many stars do you give it? I'll give it one star. Just one. And I say, a movie that will be remembered, if it is remembered. <laughs> so that's For marking the death of Captain Kirk and the arrival of Picard and other new cast members from the latest TV incarnation of the programme. What it really needs, if it is to appeal to more than the converted, is a better script. <laughs> So, Ronald D. Moore, Brandon Bracker, Ripburn, if you want to come in and defend yourself against Mr. Halliwell, uh, these are not our thoughts. These are the He's very easily defeated. Like, he is already dead. Like, uh, <laughs> well, what a star. I'm actually quite heartened by that because I feel we do. I really enjoy watching it and it's high up on my list. It is um, nine. <laughs> <laughs> You know, both crews. <laughs> it's almost like both crews merged together, <laughs> managed to get a star out of it. Like he was like one so crew on the road. No, I was, I, I was going to look at this and like number five. <laughs> a boring success. But perhaps it just shows how amazing the Star Trek films are. The film at number nine. You're like amazing. Like, uh, so there you go. Wait, what's your eight? Yeah, that got trashed. <laughs> uh, okay, all right. Uh, We're gonna go on to the top five. The top I reckon five. Um, at number five is Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home. Oh, I like this. It's number thirteen. <laughs> With an average score of seven point six. So we're playing for big bucks now. Which, which number is this? This is number five. Oh, six for me. Seven was it? Number six for you. It's number five for me. So I've got it right on this oh. one. I've done it. A, have you given I've yourself done a, a backstab? Have you given yourself a point for the ones you get right? No. I'll give myself a point. Oh, we'll have to end. go back through at the end. Where did it's you put number it? Number nine. So you've brought it down. Number nine for Voyage Home. I know. I mean, I. Don't tell me, mate, mate. Get on your bike and fucking Voyage Home, <laughs> alright? Because yeah, screw <laughs> you. Yeah, no, I really, I really enjoyed it, and I think. <laughs> How amazing these films are! It's I think, it, I think again, it was a case of coming so early and having a lack of context. Like I was in my head, I was like, "This is really fun," but it felt quite slight, and the way the time travel worked annoyed me. All the, all, all the cast adventures remind me of Beyond. That's really good. I don't know. I think nine is our like guilty pleasure one, almost, isn't it? Yeah. Right? Um, What's your nine? Uh, yeah. Number nine for me. Oh, so it's like, it is. Yeah. yeah. I think like in in this in this universe, nine is actually our favourite. Like. <laughs> <laughs> In the um, Nexus, nine. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like your personal Nexus is, <laughs> is your number nine. Generations Voyage Home, and yeah. Oh man. Mm. Right. Okay. You're not gonna believe it. Oh. It's another one star rating from Mr. Halliwell. The best of the series. It mm. isn't saying much, <laughs> but at least there are shreds of wit in the script. 
so. I love how brief these are. And he's right, there are shreds of wit. <laughs> I mean, mul- multiple shreds for me. But oh, that's, so. uh, that's nice, that's nice. Voyage Home getting a high rating. I got six, five, that's good. Okay. All right, on to number four. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Now, we're we're getting really hot here. Oh, he's done it again. Okay, this is 8 out of 10 as an average score between us. I will say my top four and my bottom four are the same as the list, but in jumbled up orders. Okay, so where's Undiscovered Country? Uh, Number three. It's at number four for me, so I've got it right again. Have you got it right? Yeah. Okay. So Paul and me have got it right. So we're all kind of similar around here because you're number three, so yeah. you're even higher. So yeah, this is a universal thumbs up. Love it. Us, this way. Yeah. yeah, really good. I mean, it's, it's, it's just a really good grown-up track movie, isn't it? Yeah. It's kind of everything that you expect from a Star Trek Well, film. this is everything I expect from a film. Competence. Directing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. Cinematography. That is interesting and actually inventive. All the things that I would see five as not getting right technically, Maya brings back in the fold. It's like just it's craftsmanship. Basically. Yeah, craftsmanship certainly. Like yeah. it, you know, there's just scenes on the bridge. The way he shoots and like frames those characters, mm. interesting camera choices. He makes what could be quite a bland, universally lit set quite exciting. I think no no better example is just literally the scene where Kirk turns up on the bridge hungover and it's called up there by Spock and you know it's got it, the, the angles they choose in that scene where it all kicks off and you've got the assassination of the Gorkin on the other ship and it goes it just, I just feel like this is somebody's in control of like the storytelling with the camera in this film that wasn't present in the last one it just feels Fit 5 felt very kind of like off the cuff first timer very much so doing this but Maya has the chops, and it's three for three. I would personally say, thinking about all of them, probably the most mature film of the series, in the sense of, in terms of, it's not my favourite, but in it's the one that I go, you look at it, and that is a proper, legit conspiracy thriller with real um, chops. It feels really grown up and really intelligent and with big themes well, and real parallels to real life events that yeah. you yeah, ground it in and it gets you to reflect it and he has a he knew what he was doing mm. I think that's very clear from his interviews and what he's doing is that this is a chance for Star Trek to kind of teach people who may be on the other end of the spectrum like I'm talking about like Star Trek's quite a liberal show yes all said and done but people from, you know, on the right side of things could probably see this and go, ah, okay, that's another way of looking at things. And I, I understand that in the Star Trek world, I might apply that to my real yeah. life. Yeah, and I think they do. I mean, because obviously this is the one where Kirk really battles with his own prejudices uh, as a result of the death of his son. Uh, I think, uh, I've got to say, I think Shatner is, is superb in that film. I really do. I mean, he's... His performance uh, when he's debating with Spock about the Klingons uh, is incredibly powerful. Well, and this is Maya again pushing like his actors to like really confront the thing because there's a lot of stuff he pushed them to do which is controversial. Uh, he left in takes that Shatner went and removed. You know, he, he battled with Roddenberry about the tone of the film and making the Trek characters almost racist mm. against the Klingons. You know, because he needed to make the point. And you need to see them change. You need to see them change. And 
Well, yeah, because by the end, Kirk learns his lesson, doesn't he? At the end of the day, and he's kind of turned back around. Yeah. It's the one that I most want to rewatch, like right now, like out of all of them, I think. And I think coming into it, this is what I thought. Stop the podcast. Yeah, I'm on. Get it on the projector. I think this is coming into it what I thought Star Trek was from the beginning, you know, like a real kind of. Yeah, and I can see that, yeah. And uh, yeah, lots of allegories and. You know, shades of grey on both sides. Feels like really... a precursor to things like the new Battlestar Galactica yeah, and definitely. stuff, doesn't it? And I think with all that, it still doesn't forget to be fun. Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. plenty of humour in this one as well, and I think that's you know a lot of films kind of miss that when they go all out and being kind of like trying to make a message, they forget to be fun as well. Mm. People could just enjoy this and they completely pass them by. It's still got all the character work, hasn't it? All the mm. fun, silly kind of character work between them and stuff. Yeah. So that's a pretty. Universal great from us, but what does Mr. Honeywell have to say? I think I give this a star if I <laughs> So, two stars. Damn <gasps> it! Two stars, which is for a for a Honeywell, that's a, basically a free star for anyone else. This is already better than Citizen yeah. Kane. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he says, the last voyage of the original crew of the Starship Enterprise turns out to be their finest hour. And 50 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go, finest hour and 50 minutes. There, there it is. Like, you know, succinct to the point and it, glowing. There is like, two stars. I mean, that is an accolade. Oh, um, I, mean, from... I would be. Like, if, if uh, Nick Love was happy with two stars, was it? Was it <laughs> Three stars. Three stars. Three stars from Peter Bradshaw. Uh, uh, you know, and he was, was like, very a happy, happy man. Like, <laughs> two stars. He's given star. up filmmaking now. <laughs> I've peaked. So we are here, actually, at the top three, the top three Star Trek films of all time, the official ranking. Um, so number three, it is dun, 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 dun. Star Trek First Contact yeah. with a joint score of 8.3, the top TNG film between us. Where did you put this, man? Uh, number four. Three. Three. It is my number one. Dun, 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 dun. Wow. Dun, it is my favourite of all of the films. We're there. Um, for me, it's a uh, 9.1 I'd give this. I think that that's what I gave it uh, on the original episode that we did. Um, I, I love it. Uh, I really think it's brilliant. Uh, the action-packed and great action as well. It feels so epic. The special effects are phenomenal. Patrick Stewart's acting performance is, you know, he's genuinely putting in his kind of Shakespearean acting into the Star Trek world. Uh, and I just think it's brilliant. Well, it's a combination of, like, over eight years of, like, playing one character. Like, yes. Yeah. Well, it's more than that, because it's, like... Nine years since the premiere of the show, I think, isn't it? Like um, from eighty-seven to ninety-six. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, nine years. And like this is the, you know him just re- unleashing it all, you know that what that character has gone through because he has gone he has changed over that show, for a, a show that was quite episodic. You, this is somebody mm. who really got to this point, and it's fantastic. He has the chops to bring it in. Getting himself ripped after being a pussy boy in the generation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think get battered by Cocaddle Malcolm McDowell. Well, this is this is like occasion where like a, maybe an actor's ego like has served the plot like in terms of how well it comes across. 
because you know Patrick Stewart would be probably upset that how his character kind of appeared in Generations and has addressed it because I think in this world he would be more of the first contact captain than he was in <laughs> Generations do you think that's down to Shatner as to why Picard is such a pussy boy no, in no. Generations like is in Shatner no, I, when I think it's more I have got to be the hero Picard is uh, a nothing a He's pathetic a loser. loser boy who needs Captain Kirk to save him. Do you think that's what happened? No, I don't. Maybe maybe I think it's just like the, the lack of like um you know, this is the, the when you watch the behind the scenes of generations, all of them are so happy just to be able to have a trailer or you know, somewhere to Yeah, watch. that's true, because they got treated like shit on yeah, the original on the show. show yeah. yeah, and it's like it was so exciting that they had like time between setups. Uh, I don't think they had the balls to ask for a, <laughs> actual like changes to their characters. I think it's like they were all a bit kind of closeted on that. Um, so yeah, I think first contact, their first one on their own, they have the opportunity to really kind of state there. I think this is to the TNG films what Undiscovered Country is to the original ones. Whereas Undiscovered Country to me was kind of like uber trek of what I thought it was. This is the opposite of that, but still a really great film. So I, I really love the focus and the. You know, the horror elements coming in. The Borg are such a great villain. It's just the stuff on uh, Earth for me that dragged it down slightly. I thought that's just... Oh, really? Had, yeah, I think they They're just like had to kind of cut away stuff. from something. Wait, you mean, wait, wait, you know, what specifically? Like, I like it kind of... I don't know, it just feels very out of tone. So up, up in the ship, you've got, like, fight for your life. Mm. Uh, that's what's great about it. Like, the melding of I know, tones, I know, so I know yeah. it makes sense, but it just pulls me out Levity. too much. And I just... I don't think the rest of the crew down there have enough to do. They kind of just have to convince. I, you know, I, I agree with that. They don't have enough to do, and it's not really much. Yeah, of I understand that it's kind of needed. They literally to... have to zap him and he get him sober, and that's it to get him to do. Yeah, what it's he was like they just got to get a drunk guy sober, and everyone up there is like dying. Probably one of the most emotional moment of the entire thirteen film saga is the first contact moment. Where oh yeah, when you find out it's a Vulcan. Yeah, yeah. I think it's incredible, and I don't know how they did that because it's like. That isn't something usually would get me going. It's like, you know, that reveal. But I think it's a combination of that amazing score by Jerry Goldsmith and then you've got the, you know, the great acting James Cromwell and Alfred Woodward. Very reminiscent of the uh, last scene of Final Frontier as well. No, I think you literally find there's, there's trees. <laughs> <laughs> well, it does, it still, it, it goes oh, up uh, and does the beat. It's oh, very, oh, very similar. camera move and trees. <laughs> and they start singing, row, 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 row. <laughs> Come on, Vulcans! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was definitely a, a, a foot, you know, a step in the right direction. It's the finest hour and 50 minutes. Yeah. Frankly, and it is 110 minutes. I can see that. <laughs> so, there but, you go. But did, but did you live long enough to see this? Uh, well, I mean, whether this... It, it, well, I don't know. Uh, Mr. Honeywell, did you? I'll give it one star. One for the fans. Though it provides more action and excitement, as well as a hint of alien sex. <laughs> the most <laughs> I of the series. is added by you. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, Miss Highwell, you're getting very excited about the alien sex there. Uh, you know, I can see why. Um, you know, it really is some interesting oh, kind of burgling. It earns that, it uh, earns that but... 12 rating. Um, I thought that was, that was great. And I also remember that it was PG-13. I was like, oh my God, I'm not old enough to see this in America. Like, uh, yeah, I just... <laughs> 
I think it's so daring <laughs> and, <laughs> and really something. I mean, yeah, that kind of stuff, the stuff between Data and uh, the Borg Queen just mm. feels so different and kind of uh, transgressive and subversive. And it's it works, great. though. This is the thing. Like, that could easily be, like, the most embarrassing, you know, like, some stupid kind of YouTube rundown of, like, the worst moments in Star Trek First Contact. <laughs> like, the bit where Data gets off of the Alien Queen. It's like, that could easily be one of those stupid rundowns that people do just to belittle art. <laughs> um, but yeah it doesn't I think it plays it takes a risk rolls the dice and it works and yeah it, I agree you know, completely so yeah I'm, I'm hats off to it for that because they took risk with Nexus and it doesn't work out I think it there there you go first oh, content nerve for this one absolutely great we've already done my favourite film we've all got we've lot. all got different number ones that's interesting uh, yeah we uh, it would appear so because we're now on to number two which is so this is the big one, really. What hits at number two and number one? Number two, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan, uh, with a combined score of 8.9. I Where gave it, it was... an 8.9, and it's my number two. And what <laughs> Double is it? points. Is this your number one? Just making up rules for you. I give it. Oh, that's my favourite. It's your favourite. Well, that's nice. It's, it's one of our favourites. Mm. Um, if it wasn't, it, I'd be surprised. It was brilliant to have Bob on um, in our last episode. And, you know, he did a terrific job. There's no denying that. Like, it, as I say, it's my number two. Um, as well. Oh, no, tell a lie. It's my number three. It's my number three. Um, but, I mean, top three is, is bloody good. So it's my number three, your number two, and your number one. Yeah. So it's all got the placings of the uh, top three. And it is finish, I think. It is, <laughs> a, it is a great, great movie. Um, you know, real class act. And, you know, shit's all over in darkness, certainly. I think it, it's, it's just annoying that we live in a world where it has to compare with Into Darkness. Should, yeah, true. Anything, really. it's just, it should be its own thing. The amount of people watching Into Darkness first and going back and seeing Khan, you know, and then being like, oh, you know, having it. It's that classic people who grew up on Toy Story 2 uh, and felt that the I'm your father bit was from that. And then oh, right, yeah. Stretch back and then like, that's the, this is how I can kind of compare it. Um, this is the weird one because Toy Story 2 is actually good <laughs> yeah Toy Story 2 is great I mean all yeah. of the Toy Stories are fucking great aren't they like, um, yeah. <laughs> but I mean that's the thing does anyone really hold Star Trek Into Darkness close to their hearts in the same way people do Rafa Khan surely not I mean I, I'm sure there's people getting residuals from it that might hold it close to their heart checking them out but like yeah nobody's going to be holding Rafa Khan you can feel proud of I mean it's, yes. it's, it's fucking great I, I, I'm, it's I'm kind of almost obsessive about this film I, I could watch it and I love the structure of it like this is a film unlike any other almost the way it kind of unfolds and I love the um, almost the third to fourth act where you have them arriving at regular one the space station it has this kind of mystery kind of like ha almost haunted house aspect to it Khan has well it's body horror isn't it's it body horror, yeah. yeah and he finds the guys with their throats cut McCoy says Jim and you get this amazing push in on Shatner like as he as he turns around is it really kind of like these are incredible lens choices? It's my bringing well. that cinematic eye again. My like brings it with, as we found from Bob, you know, a TV crew up in their game to like cinematic level. And um, so you've got that whole section where they go down to regular one and that you feel like they're marooned there, but Kirk is always one step ahead of the game and he uses it. This is pretty much the most distilled example of Captain Kirk's character where he has the, the 
foresight to actually outthink a you know superior genetic being, Khan, his adversary. It's the brilliant like matching of this. So for that last two thirds of that film where he is almost you know Khan's after him, it's an even playing field almost, and he uses his intuition to get them ahead of the game. He fakes the fact that they're stranded and then gets them back on the ship. I mean I'm probably recapping this a bit too much, but I just want to say about why lay his whole plan out and it's that good. Yeah, it's so well fall through this screenplay, and it's unlike any other film I've ever seen. And that still weirds me out, though. That thing about how when he screams, Khan actually's kind of playing it a little bit. But I mean, I remember us talking about this on the actual episode, and we reasoned that actually his emotion is real because there's still a lot of bad shit has happened, and he's still really angry with Khan, mm. still like hate, hateful and stuff like that. Um, but it's not quite the cry of desperation that he makes it out to be uh, and that's something to be honest I wish we'd asked uh, Bob um, when we spoke to him but it doesn't matter because he's coming back for a second episode uh, guys next year um, so we'll have plenty more to chat with him about you um, have to make that a thing you ask him like yeah because I, I really want to know about that in terms of you know what was happening there um, with you know he was faking that and stuff like I re- really interested mm. to know if if Shatner you know was was aware of that at the time they were talking to I, I I'm kind of like like you say you're fascinated about this movie I'm fascinated by I'm that a, scene I am I said I'm obsessed by this film yeah, yeah. because I think it is it's my gateway into Trek it got me into it like no other 15 rated video cassette <laughs> yeah it had the sun look. faded 15 rated video cassette in the local and VHS store I even rented the PG rated version and what? still yeah, yeah. They, they released the, the one of the first video cassettes like Durantal was Rafa Khan the theatrical version on BBC, BBFC rated PG oh my the days that Bob didn't recall on the episode yeah no that's but, true but well, he, we were why would he why yeah, would he yeah, yeah. He's not involved yeah. in that kind of minutiae. That's what's happening over here in our country for a release. Like that's. Way I'm beyond. sure he would spit on any PG-rated version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, uh, yeah, 15 all the way. I mean, certainly the version, like, uh, like I said, the I, episode that was in the VHS shop for me was 15 rated all. Yeah, the way. I, there was a uh, um, Carberry video. In, oh, Carberry video, yeah, yeah. Southbourne. I don't know this one. Uh, had a PG-rated like Rafa Khan <laughs> rental cassette, and it was yeah. I just w- trying to picture that. I remember cover, like renting really it weird. and going, "This, this isn't going to be, this isn't going to end well." But, <laughs> and I remember like being really annoyed that there was shots missing from it. But I was, even back then, you knew there were shots missing. When yeah, because because I, I, I just like, I just felt it was something. I knew it was meant to be. You knew it in your bones. You knew yeah, when stuff's I'm, cut. I'm pretty sure I saw on TV, and it's it, the bits that are the 15 gets it the 15 range stick with you. Right. Like, and that's why when they're missing, they do kind of stand out. That's like, oh, that's a bit tame. Where are we well, at? let's go back to 1982 and see what uh, Mr. Halliwell had to say about Star Trek Rafa Khan. So. You would fit. What are we guessing, star star wise, for Rafa Khan? I'm gonna go one. I'm gonna go none. You're right. Oh, he's playing at me. No stars. <laughs> Comic strip capers a long way from the controlled intelligence of some episodes of the TV series, but more entertaining than the first movie. So it's there is a comparison bored. to motion picture Hardwell, to I say, believe you've lost all your integrity. I mean, we we would like to point out, especially for Bob saying that, you know, Mr. Halliwell's views do not represent the views of the management at Spotlight. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, madness, absolute madness. How could he give this film no stars? I mean, that is insane. 
Yeah, it's stupid. I mean, there's somebody who couldn't actually, like, understand, like, film, kind of, like, how they're constructed. This film, like, can succeeds on that level. Regardless of if you know this crew or not, there is genuine build-up in this film. Some stuff can just be objectively good. Yeah. And you think yeah, a critic I mean, could, like, recognise it. It's just a great it. movie. You would, you would think that, um... And it works. I saw this film without seeing the episode, the prequel, essentially, this episode from the TV show, and it works without it. Because you get why mm. Khan is so pissed. Yeah, yeah completely. Chekhov. I mean, I enjoyed watching Space Seed uh, beforehand and then watching Ruth Khan this time round. Mm. Just because it added another little layer uh, to the enjoyment. I uh, find, but you don't need I, it. But I, I also find the end of Space Seed kind of weird that like they have this really kind of like um, civil trial for Khan oh yeah they and just have like, a sit down yeah and he accepts the vote he's like that is fair and <laughs> I was like I do not expect I'm going to be super Khan angry soon. I know well it seems like a leap from that where he's going oh fine cheers Kirk to like I hate you well I think this is the thing He, you, I mean there are rumours that Nicholas Meyer is doing a Khan prequel like what uh, now yes like this is this is like a news recently that Khan, that Nicholas Meyer's like been touted to kind of do a, a mini series, all set about Khan's like life on Seti Alpha Five. This is Seti Alpha Five. Uh, yeah, um, and sort of see how he got that twisted from the episode where he is like denounced and like sent there. He's like perfectly fine with being ruined to the point where he's like, I will kill you. Girl. That sounds like unnecessary backstory because, like you say, it works 100%. in the film. And this, I'm. I, Nick, if you listen to this, don't do it. Like, the, your masterpiece, Rafa Khan, does not need any further explanation whatsoever. This is just bullshit <laughs> filling in the blanks. Don't alien covenant it, you know, it doesn't... It, what can the extra money buy you? Can you live any better than you live right now? Can you buy a better steak than you can afford at this point in time? I don't think so. I think you've got the money there with all the residuals from Rafa Khan... Voyage home and discover country and the and he's working on discovery, discovery yeah, yeah. as well. You can live a very happy life. You don't need to do this. So look in the mirror and don't do it. <laughs> but none of these things have worked. Like oh yeah, all these prequels are always yeah. fucking shit. Apart from uh, obviously Star Trek Discovery, I suppose that comes under prequel uh, terms, doesn't it? But well, we'll hear our, thought, hear our thoughts on that in the next. Well, episode. prequel in the sense of filling in the blanks to a villain. Yeah, it's not the same, is it? Not the same in the sense of something like Enterprise. Well, let's say like I didn't enjoy Hannibal, but I know a lot of people did. Hannibal. I think you can see that as like yeah. not even the same character. The TV show. Oh, do you enjoy Hannibal? I watched the pilot and I didn't like it. Oh, mate, go on. It's it's really good. Yeah. Well, Sophie liked it. It's really good. Yeah, I'm with Sophie on this one. Sophie, mm. friend of the show and future guest, is correct. <laughs> like, uh, it's really fucking great. Uh, sorry, I thought you meant Hannibal the film. I was like, that's not a prequel, is it? Like, no, uh, it's yeah. but I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I actually like, like Hannibal. So. Directed by Mr. Ridley Scott. When he wasn't drawing pictures of Boss Hat, previous guest. <laughs> um, so, it's <laughs> fair time. <laughs> seen that. Uh, okay, so, wait, oh, fuck it now. We're at number one. We're at number one. Yeah. And, well, if, you, and if you haven't guessed yet, <laughs> it's a little film called it's, Star it's, Trek. It's the only film that hasn't been mentioned. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, Miss Halliwell won't have seen it. So, so he's done all of I'm his. I'm really upset that Mr. Halliwell couldn't do it. Can you just, like, do what Mr. Halliwell might have said in this situation? About about Star Trek? Yeah. Uh, Remember, he would have been really harsh, but... 
he's a fan of cinema through and through. I think he would have said something like, Risable juvenile entertainment that doesn't come close to the finest episodes of the original series, or even the worst. He would have said something like that, I think. Wow. And I, 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 I actually think you're probably quite not far off the mark. <laughs> I think it would have been a no stars job yes. for uh, Star Trek, which has a combined score from our points of view of 9.3. Uh, which is a fucking high score. It so is a high score. High score. And and that is number one. We've sworn quite a lot on this episode. There is, this has got uh, E for explicit on iTunes already uh, before we've even put it out. Um, and this is my number two. Uh, uh, what is it? My number one, baby. Number two. Number two. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a really, really high score. I mean, if we consider the Rafa Khan got a combined score of 8.9, so this is the only one that's into that kind of, you know, nine territory. Um, It is really high. And I think, to be completely honest, putting this in top placing... Carl marks us out as what we are, which is still at this point the non-Trekkie perspective of Star Trek. That's what this podcast is. You guys might identify as that, but I'm gonna just I'm gonna go with Trekkie. You're going for full Trekkie now. I know, I know. We, we've got to the oh. end of the movies. Are you converting? Well, he says he's obsessed with Khan, so well, I would say like transformation is happening before I, our eyes. I have not changed one bit. His fingers are gluing together. I do feel like my sort of sort of. Compartmentalisation. Compartmentalisation. Well, Robert Khan is still is your number as, one as a as a non-trek. Was overestimating it. I think I've always been very much into Star Trek, but on my terms. <laughs> so, um, and that means no DS9, no Enterprise. <laughs> Well, which we you know will soon so, change in our television episodes, where we will be and, taking on uh, all so of those yeah, shows. I, I'm, big fan of the original crew movies I'm a big fan of Next Generation show and movies I'm a big fan of JJ Verse and I'm, I enjoyed Voyager in part I haven't watched Deep Space Nine or the original series in full and I haven't watched Enterprise does that make me a Trekkie? I do not know I think, I think I'm think i at least over 50% a Trekkie yeah, you've got a willingness to be a Trekkie yeah. Uh, yeah I think I know enough about it to kind I'm of I'm sure there are some out there who say if you don't include DS9 you can't be and be yeah, like yeah, that if you don't include the look, whole but the I average is way out of the boot exactly look I'm putting it out there I probably am a Trekkie I think they'll let a Trekkie let, with I, his own opinion I think hardcore Trekkies would probably let the animated series go um, but apart from that, they say you got you got to do it. You got to learn, boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, I think Matt and I are still. I think we're definitely getting there. I think we're excited to discover more. Yeah, um, very much so. Uh, literally discover more. And I mean, <laughs> and this number one film, which I have guessed one hundred percent correctly, <laughs> is. Is you know this this is my trek in it's a way. Your it's your second guess correctly. Though. Well, this is what yes. I'm saying in the sense of I don't think there are many hardcore trekkies who have put who have put Star Trek at, at number one. <laughs> I don't think there are many hardcore trekkies who would do no, that. No, but think I also think shows. trekkies shouldn't think that they can't because this is to, you know top to bottom a great movie. Yeah, understand. I as I, I said honors the legacy. As completely. I said in the episode, I think like I consider it along with Casino Royale as the best kind of like reboot to anything. Yeah, they can we said really, Batman Begins Casino Royale yeah, on this, and they can really have Golden their cake Trinity. and eat it. 
Yeah, because I mean, everything still exists, Hallelujah. so it's all there, and it's they're only going to pollute it by doing stuff like Into Darkness, what they did there. But as a pure starting point, like if this was the newest one, I think they just get it so right. In kind yeah, of, it's fantastic. In kind of treating the characters, well, it's going to beat that ten minutes, that first ten minutes. That was one, still one of the most exhilarating experiences in the cinema I've ever had because I was not prepared. Like I loved. JJ from Lost and Mission Impossible 3 which started the same sort of way we'll and this all of that. and this comes uh, straight out of the gate in the same way and I wasn't expecting it I don't know I don't know if I was expecting like kind of a soft studio reboot or something a bit kind of tailored down but I think everything JJ does well which he also did in Force Awakens um, is on full display here oh yeah I mean Force Awakens and this make a great double bill of kind of rebooted star franchises uh, both of them are Mm. Fucking fantastic! I, I I was wrong to dismiss him. Like I'll kind of like worry about him, particularly after Darkness and being the director of the first Star Wars movie. Um, I hold Star Wars very dear to my heart, and I was like, "Fuck it!" I blew it out. out my, blew it away. I really, really loved it. Yeah, I, I think it's it's brilliant. And, and I mean, as it stands, we are very happy he's doing number nine. Uh, yeah, hundred uh, percent. I am looking forward to Last Jedi as well, very much so. But uh, all the rumors have it. Last Jedi is a bit different, which is good. I think it needs yeah, to be 100%. a standalone film because I think people are comparing Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two to like Empire and trying to think like, is it? Are well, they? Well, no, no. People tried to ahead of its release and then yeah, realized okay. it didn't have to be that. It's no. just a good sequel to what yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy was. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's like you can't keep with these Empire comparisons. Empire Strikes Back is different. Like it's it's a can't. shorthand for any kind of things go a bit wrong because it's the middle of yeah. But that's kind of the story yeah. structure. If you're I doing a trilogy, like, if Rian Johnson has been smart, he's forgotten about any Empire comparisons and just gone his own way. I yeah, hope that's completely, the case. completely. Uh, I mean, you know, it should be the Mark Hamill show, like and hundred percent. This guy has deserved it. He's been like thirty years in the wilderness. I say wilderness, but like he's been respected amount of people who kind of respect kind of good voice acting and. The Joker animated yeah. Batman animated series. Yeah. Best Joker. But outside of that, people have had to discover Mark Hamill like through like his acerbic wit on Twitter. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now they get to see him acting finally. And, and he did more of those last like five seconds of Force Awakens than so many people have. Oh yeah, he's got such Just a look. when you see him it's yeah. like wow. I, I but you know, the people say like, oh it's his best performance in the last five seconds of Force Awakens and he didn't start Star the entire Star Wars trilogy. I don't uh, think that's fair. No, I, I said it at the time, but I disagree with myself now because I think you definitely see more of an arc with Luke Skywalker in From A New Hope to Rich and Jedi doing a lot of sagas completely. Yeah, he's, he is he's great. He's, he's not each bad one. in those he's films. Identifiably, Luke Skywalker mm. in all three of them. You know, like, this isn't, like, a complete change. It's like he has leapt forward in his development as a Jedi Knight in all of those, and we'll finally get to see him as a master this year. Oh, can't Can mind. you believe that? This, is, this year we're going to see him as a Jedi master. I'm excited. Uh, I'm, I'm very, I very excited. <laughs> Number one is <laughs> Star Wars. The Last Jedi. Based on the trailer alone, with an average ranking of 9.5. <laughs> Mr. Halliwell, what have you got to say? Oh, um, <laughs> oh man. Uh, 
Ewoks are absolutely delightful and uh, highly charming creatures. I would watch the caravan of courage on repeat and give it a rating of four star. Hey, well, you've changed your tune. Um, <laughs> no, 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 please, so, Miss Hyrule. No, so, 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 yeah, with that ridiculous, like, uh, diversion, that is the answer. That is the official <laughs> ranking. Uh, we have done from 13 first year of to number one. The first year of Spotlight, uh, we're done. We started in September uh, 2016 uh, on the 50th anniversary of Trek. It is now October 2017, and we've run through all the films, and we're ready to deep dive into the TV series starting next month with a look at the first couple of episodes of Star Trek Discovery. Um, we're going to start at the latest brand new series and then work our way back uh, to the older series. Uh, we're really excited yeah. about we're it. We're going to do a little uh, bookend, aren't we? So we'll come back to Discovery when first season's all done. Yeah, we'll recap, but we I won't mean, be recapping it as it goes along. Because this is going to be the first Star Trek TV show that we all watch as it comes out. Yeah, well, when did, it did, comes out. Was Discovery announced at all when we decided to do this podcast? Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes, definitely. Because it'd be pretty fortuitous. Because it's had a it long, long gestation right, right. process. Um, I was trying so to think if it just appeared and we were like that's Ooh. what we're going to be talking about next episode and we'll kind of get into more what we're going to do with the uh, TV series episodes is that a rocky road uh, screen <laughs> but has it been worth it we'll find out next month I've been Paul Wilson I've been Matt Brothers and I've been Liv Dempsey live long and prosper If you enjoyed this episode of Spotlight and wish to support us, you can rate, review and subscribe on iTunes, like our Facebook page and follow us on Twitter at SpotlightPod. You can also get in touch and drop us a message directly by emailing spotlightpod at gmail.com.